Hi friends, welcome to Womankind. This is your host, Kelsey Novitz, and I'm here with my guest, Karen McGill. Karen is a debt reduction coach. She's an author and she is a motivational speaker. Hi, Karen. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Great. Thanks so much for being with me here today. I You're actually on the other side of the continent right now. Isn't that <laughs> correct? <laughs> yeah, I'm on the West Coast in Vancouver. Awesome. Notice so, I didn't say sunny Vancouver because it's not very sunny. <laughs> well, here in Buffalo, we had snow yesterday, so <laughs> we're, we're really struggling. Hopefully spring is on its way. <laughs> <laughs> so Karen, tell us a little bit about your background, your story, and what has gotten you to where you are right now. Okay, well, I'm going to start in 1999. In June 14th, I got a job with the Canadian government. I went from part-time sales clerk earning minimum wage to all of a sudden working with the government. And as you know, uh, government jobs got security, right? Mm -hmm. Lots of benefits, lots of advancement right well on june 5th 2000 i woke up partially paralyzed on one side of my body oh my gosh nine days later i was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and by the end of september i had to go on disability wow and so what was the time span of like just to clarify when you first had an issue to having to go on disability it was only a few months right yeah, I was only, let's see, um, August, September, about three and a half months. Wow. From the time I woke up paralyzed to the time I went on. And I was 35 years old. I thought my life was over. I mean, I'd worked a year and a half to get that job. Right. And then it lasted, you know, less time than it took me to get it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I thought my life was over. I thought that was it. But. I've come to realize in later years that that's actually when my life started. Wow. Because as January of, I've all, okay, backtrack, I've always written. My grandmother was a published author, and I've always written. I've never had a lot of friends as a kid, so writing was my escape. And come January 2001, I submitted a poem to the MS newsletter, which got published. Nice. And I started getting back into the writing. And now I have five books published. Wow. Uh, my first is an award-winning book. It's called um, it's called The Bond, A Paranormal Love Story. It's been translated into Turkish. And it's been adapted to film. Wow, that's awesome. I have books. I'm a number one, Amazon number one bestseller in one of my books. I have four uh, fiction, paranormal fiction, and one is my story of living with MS. It's called On the Right Side. Mm-hmm. So that's more of like a an autobiographical story. Yes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I have, say I'm a member of the Rick Hansen Ambassador Program. Do you know who Rick Hansen is? I do not. Who is that? Okay. Do you know the guy who wheelchaired around the world? In the 80s? No. This sounds amazing. I wish I did know Ooh. this. You have to look him up. He's got quite an inspiring story. He is in a wheelchair. He was, um, as a teenager, riding in the back of a pickup truck, and there was an accident, and he became paralyzed. Mm-hmm. 
from the, from the waist down. His arms not to work. And he has an ambassador program where people with disabilities tell their story to other people, to mm-hmm. kids at school. I've helped with creating, um, they have a thing at one of their centers where they bring in high school kids and they create things that will help people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. So I've worked a couple of times on that. I'm also a motivational speaker. Mm-hmm. Got into that when I published uh, On the Right Side. And I'm a debt reduction coach because I see so many people who are uh, disabling themselves with debt. Mm-hmm. They're not pursuing their goals, especially, and women are bad at this, not bad at this. This happens to a lot of women, I see. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's just because we love to shop. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually don't. <laughs> <laughs> But I see with a lot of women, this seems to happen. Mm-hmm. So I want to help them. I I went through a bankruptcy after I had to go on disability because I took a 30% cut in pay. And then when the bankruptcy was off my record, I found I was doing the same sort of shopping habits, mm-hmm. buying stuff I really didn't need. So I created a five-step system. And that's I help people with that and learning tools to stay out of debt. Mm-hmm. Helping them focus on other goals. Nice. So I know I, this is, you know, a product that you sell. Um, you offer a program through Facebook, a, pro- a program through email. Um, so tell us what you can about your program without, you know, giving too much away of your <laughs> product. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, I was running Facebook challenges, but mm-hmm. I've, I'm suspending those until I figure out a couple of things that to get more interaction with people. Oh, okay. Right now, you can learn the five-step system I use to save myself over $400,000 in projected interest costs. Wow. By going to my website and signing up for the email course. Mm-hmm. And in the next couple of days, I'm going to be putting a free ebook on there too. Mm-hmm. I just got to get a new cover, so. <laughs> <laughs> but it will lead you through it lead you through basically what I did. And if you just do that, you'll get you out of debt. If you want to stay out of debt, you need more work. Mm-hmm. So who is your target audience for this um, debt reduction program? Like who is the, the person that would benefit the most? What situation are they in? Usually it's uh, single divorced or widowed women. Mm-hmm. Or um 40s and 50s, you're at that age where you know that retirement's coming fast. Mm-hmm. And you've got to get a handle on your debt. And your debt is not, I don't help people, I help people with unsecured debt, like credit cards and lines of credit, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I can't help you if you don't have good credit or mm-hmm. reasonably good credit, because then you may need more help than I can give mm-hmm. so but this is someone basic- with good credit that just happens to be in debt yeah and their debt and I mean it's at that point it's really tricky because it's at that point where the debt is starting to bother them mm-hmm. but they're not desperate yet like mm-hmm. it's not that they have no re- no way out mm-hmm. that we can still catch them before it gets too bad right because I know with, and you may have seen this yourself, I know a lot with something like debt, people don't talk about it mm-hmm. until it's too late. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think money can be a very um, taboo issue that people don't talk about in, you know, regular social circles or it's it's been kind of ingrained in people that it's impolite to talk about money. And you look at how many married couples, there's a lot of them that don't even talk about money until mm-hmm. it, everything falls apart. Right. And that's sc- that's scary. Right, absolutely. So does your organization, this business, does it have a name? Well, it's Karen McGill Coaching and Speaking, and the debt reduction is the 90-day turnaround, 90 days to, sorry, 90 days to financial stability. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what do you hope um, overall you will accomplish through this business? I hope I'll help more women get on the track to realizing their dreams because I love to help people realize dreams Mm -hmm. get on that path and get a control of their debt so that it's not taking over their lives Mm -hmm. give women more give you back the power of debts taking from you Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your your personal struggles with this if you're willing to share um just kind of what was what was happening when you know you're you're realizing that you're having this like debilitating disease taking over and then the the struggle of figuring out what you're going to do well as the start it happened is that like that morning because my it was a monday morning Mm -hmm. and my alarm went off and i rolled over to turn it off but my arm didn't move it just kind of flopped wow my left arm so i turned it off with the right and then i went to get out of bed but as soon as i put weight on my legs Mm -hmm. my left one collapsed underneath me oh no so I'm laying on the carpet and came to a very important realization. I had to go to the bathroom. Oh, no. <laughs> so I've had nurses say, oh, there's no way you could have done this. But with one side working, mm-hmm. I crawled, myself, crawled to the bathroom and up on the toilet. And then I was able to put more weight on my leg then. And as brushing my teeth, I noticed one side of my face didn't move. Wow. It was just totally... You know, now that's kind of freaky. I went to go make something to eat and my left arm was flopping all over the place. I kept knocking everything off the counters. So I just went to, you're not going to believe this one. I went to work. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Why would you not call 911 or call an ambulance at this point? I don't know. I just, I went to work. Like I had a cane. I'd sprained my ankle years ago and I kept the canes, right? Mm-hmm. So I used the cane, got to work, called me. To, I did go to the doctor. Yeah, and you see, I always say, well, the, my work was closer to my doctor than my house was, so <laughs> maybe that's why I went in. And then um, he sent me to the hospital, which is across the street. Mm-hmm. I waited for over six hours before being seen by a doctor. Wow, downtown Vancouver Hospital. I mean, what if Busy. you were having a stroke at this point? Like, um, I, I, I think they they knew it wasn't. They knew it was something, but they didn't, you know, because I had gone in. And, of course, my grandmother had died in this same hospital of a brain tumor in 1937. Mm -hmm. So I think I can be an excuse for maybe thinking I might have a brain tumor. Right, right. (laughs) But, no, I mean, and the doctor, he says, no, it's not a brain tumor. You don't think you've had a stroke. And then he left and was replaced by a neurology intern. Mm Mm-hmm. Long and short of it is, is I end up going to a neurologist two days later and then having an MRI. Mm-hmm. 
And that's when they found the MS. I am... MS affects your emotions, and I tend to be an emotional person anyways. So I was up and down Uh like crazy the whole time. Um, And plus, you're trying to adjust. And with MS, a lot of the symptoms will come and go. Uh So you end up thinking that you're imagining them. And it could be your, your mind is, you've heard that this could happen, so your mind may be creating it sometimes. Uh That's a guess. It's not, I'm not. I mean, that's not based on your experience. Yeah. And it was, just, it was just so freaky the way things would come, you know, come and go. And then everything just kind of leveled out. I, I liken it to um, attacking a mountain in your path. Mm-hmm. And every day you, you remove a stone, a rock or a pebble if necessary. But just do one thing every day to get you towards your goal. And that's what I did with the MS. Just kept my head down and just kept focusing on doing what I wanted in life. Mm-hmm. Like come, I went on disability the end of September. Come January, I signed up for a couple of um, at-home study courses. I took abnormal psychology and art. I started writing again and just started making my own a new life. Mm-hmm. Things would still go wrong. Yeah, you know, I'd have occasional. I used to get uh, things called lightning pains, and the flashes of pain through my face. Very disconcerting. Mm-hmm. But you learn to. It's amazing what you can adjust to. Yeah, definitely. Um, and this time you were supporting yourself through government assistance, correct? Well, uh, when I first went on disability, I had to. Um, go on unemployment insurance. You have the same thing there, right? Right, right. Yeah, we well, we call it employment insurance now. But anyways, <laughs> uh, or they do. But anyway, so I had to go on that for a couple of months. In the meantime, because I was working for the government, I had uh, security, like benefits in place that I could get disability, which is, which that's the 30% of my income. And that is combined with a very small pension because I didn't work for the government long enough to get a big one mm-hmm. and a Canada pension plan and the government. So the majority of my money is actually private mm-hmm. from private. Interesting. Um, you mentioned before that you, I mean, your debt reduction coaching is specifically tailored towards women. Let's talk about that a little bit. Why do you think that this is an issue that, um, you know, plagues women specifically? Well, I don't know if it plagues women specifically. But, like I said, we always say women are the shoppers and that, which a lot of them aren't. Mm-hmm. But you get told enough, you get told things enough times and it kind of sinks into your head. Like, oh, well, women are bad at math. Mm-hmm. You know, women need help. Balancing their checkbooks. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do people still? I use a checkbook. People still use checkbooks. I still do. I don't know many other people <laughs> that do, but I do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm old. <laughs> but, and my goal is to help women because one, women make most of the purchasing decisions. Mm-hmm. Two, women live longer than men usually. Mm-hmm. 
So your money's got to last you longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was actually reading about this um, actually yesterday. Um, It was, where was it? Um, just in a book, I've talked about this book before. I'm reading a book called Rebecca Traster. It's called All the Single Ladies. I still haven't finished this. I talked about this on an episode a while ago, um, but I got it from the library, so I had to renew it again. Um, but, you know, in the book, she was talking about how, you know, women at the beginning of a marriage, it's usually, there's usually a thought that people get married so that way they have someone to end their lives with. But the way that our lifespans have changed, um, women often live much longer than men. And so women are finding themselves, even even if they are someone who's married, they're still finding themselves at the end of their lives alone and having to worry about taking care of themselves financially and um, finding some way to be able to support themselves through illness, through, through something um, and not having a partner, even though, you know, there's this kind of mindset where if you get married that you will have a partner, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's not always the case. If, if, you know, you're live outliving your spouse by 20 years, um, you still have to figure out, like you said, financially how to take care of yourself at the end of your life. Yeah. I mean, that was the one thing I loved about like my parents' relationship. My father was sick for many years before he died and he knew that he wasn't going to outlive mom. Mm-hmm. So he started helping her and training her to how to take over everything. Mm-hmm. How to, And let they go out and he let her calculate the tip and calculate how to pay and everything else. So when he passed in 2014, mm-hmm. she was able to do everything on her own. Right. She mm-hmm. passed in 22 years later, but still, she was set up fairly well. Mm-hmm. And she knew where to go with the government to look for help and things like this. Right. Well, I'm very sorry about the loss of your parents so recently. Thank you. Thank you very much for the condolences. Of course. I mean, that's uh, that really speaks to an awareness there of that, you know, you know, women need to have this knowledge and need to be independent, um, even if they do have a partner, just to, you know, be prepared. And they have to know... Um, you have to know what your money situation is. Don't just let one partner handle everything. Right. Because then, like say, if something happens to him, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you may find out that you've been living the rich life, but you don't have the money. Right. You know, and that, that's happened to a lot of women, and it's a big shocker. Right. And then that leads to people, you know, maybe having to go back to school at a later time in life or having an undesirable career at some point or just an undesirable job just to make ends meet. And life is out there to do what you can to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what do you want, what else would you like our listeners to know about your business or have we covered all of it already? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we covered the free email course. Yes. And the way I, I want to help people. Yes. And we covered my books. I think we covered everything. And we could mention my speaking. Oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Um, what kinds oh. of speaking engagements have you already um, been a part of? Which ones would you like to be a part of in the future? Uh, the funny thing is, is that the way I got started in speaking, um, when I published my book the uh, on the right side, the one that tells 
like you know my autobiography sorry mouth malfunction <laughs> the book on my story of ms i wanted another way to promote it mm-hmm. and i heard about this bill conference coming to vancouver so i okay well i wanted to speak so i told him i wanted to speak i said i'll bring the garbage bags because he had to volunteer something mm-hmm. hit enter and then i thought i was going to be sick me speak on stage <laughs> I prepared a 10-minute speech. I forgot three minutes of it. And I walked off that stage and I knew I found what I love to do. Nice. I've given a few speeches. In fact, oh, I did my one speech I did at My Story. It's called My Story Mondays. It's a local thing here. And it was televised. It's the replaying it tonight by the by that I saw. So I've had my television debut as well. Wow. <laughs> hey. Is this your podcast debut or have you been on other podcasts before? I have been on other podcasts, but this is the first time I've done two in one day. Oh, nice. Hey, I'm beginning to feel like a celebrity here. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love my goal is to eventually in the next few years, I want to be on stage with Tony Robbins. Oh, that's a nice goal. I like that. Which is going to be cute because I'm five foot two. Well, okay. Five (laughs) foot one and seven eighths. Mm Mm-hmm. And I have arthritis in my knee, so I don't wear heels. Mm-hmm. And he's huge. <laughs> yeah, how tall is he? Do you know? Uh, no, six. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I so knew it one time. He's got over a foot on you, I think. Oh, well over a foot, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the thing is, is that, like when I talked earlier about helping women get control of their debt so they can pursue other goals. That's the thing. I mean, because people come alive when they talk about what they dream of doing. Mm-hmm. And I want to help people do that. Yeah. And unfortunately, debt stops you from doing a lot. So Yeah, absolutely. So your goal is to free up women to be able to pursue their dreams. Darn tootin'. <laughs> I like <laughs> that. It's... That's a nice goal. <laughs> Whether it's speaking on stage with Tony Robbins or just having a nice retirement mm-hmm. or going on a cruise. Right. Just being able to do things that they want to do instead of what they have to do. Right. I can get behind that 100%. <laughs> um, before we move on to talking a little bit about what it means to be a woman, can you tell my listeners um, how they can find you? Easiest way is to go to www.karenmcgill.com, M-A-G-I-L-L. And Karen is K-A-R-E-N. And I have a link that you can contact me on there. You can find me on Facebook, Karen McGill. And then I have a business page, which is Karen McGill Coaching. Mm-hmm. Those are about the easiest ways. Or email Karen McGill at KarenMcGill.com. Okay, perfect. Or they can purchase your books on Amazon, right? They sure can. They're <laughs> all there. Nice. All right, so let's move into some of the stories about what it means to be a woman. Um, so is there anything else? You you did a pretty um, – I think you've told us a lot about, like, who you are and what your story is. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add to that? I don't think so. I think I talked to you off enough about oh, okay. that, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Karen, tell us what does it mean to be a woman in 2018 and what does it mean to you to be a woman in 2018? Well, it's basically, to me, since I am a woman, I'm going to say they're basically the same thing. And it's that 
society's society's expectations aren't really on us as much. We're not expected to stay home and have children and, you know, and then take care of the grandchildren. I mean, some do that. If that's what you want to do, that's great. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to. I mean, the whole world in, in our society, the whole world is open to us. Mm-hmm. We can run companies. Or you can drive, you know, you can drive a big dump truck. So that was just one thing. Or you'd be a carpenter or an electrician. <laughs> when I was younger, I, I really, when I was like a young teen, before I even knew how to drive, I wanted to be a truck driver. Um, but then I didn't want to be anymore because then I realized that most of the time truck drivers had to like lift their own cargo and like unload it. And I, was, <laughs> I wasn't interested in that part. I just wanted to drive. Went, yeah, <laughs> I think you're a bit young, but I remember all those '70s movies with uh, the you know, Smokey like and Smokey the Bandit. The Bandit. I know that yeah. movie. <laughs> you know all those, ones. and there's one convoy with Chris Christopherson, and <laughs> you know. I had not seen those at that time, so I was not inspired <laughs> by that. But also, that probably would have scared me away too. Now that I think about it, <laughs> probably just the freedom of being out on the road. Yes. Yeah, I, I just wanted to listen to music and drive my truck and see the country. <laughs> well, that's a good goal. I mean, I've uh, now I since then I have done that. So, <laughs> and I didn't have to drive a truck to do it. Well, good. <laughs> um, I used to want to be a jockey until I realized I meant that the horse went really fast. Oh yeah. No thanks. <laughs> See, it's all about experience and learning a little bit more just to narrow down what you want to do and not want to do. Yeah, that's why I say, you know, you have a goal that can change. Yeah, definitely. And there's no problem, especially once you start to learn more. Like when you learn you have to unload the truck yourself. Right. Then I was like, nope, not for me. Or you learn <laughs> that horse, those horses run really fast. No, thank you. <laughs> so anything else about what it means to be a woman? Just that we can be anything. We can do anything, be anything we want. And what I love about being a woman is partially that of oh, the emotional side. Mm-hmm. Is that we don't get, uh, well, not usually, Chris, depending on the situation, we can usually show our emotions better without being society looking down on us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I hear that a lot from guests that I have on the show that the emotional side is a favorite. Yeah, and I'm also empathic too. Mm-hmm. So I pick up on a lot of other people's emotions. Mm-hmm. Probably I spend most of my time alone. <laughs> you pick up a little too much on others' emotions? Yeah, I've never learned how to really guard myself against it. Right. So. Yeah, and that can be tough. That even though it is a blessing as a woman to be able to, you know, do that a little more easily, it can be a burden sometimes. Yeah, I totally agree. So we'll get to that in a moment, but what are your favorite parts of being a woman? Besides being able to show the right. emotion, it just, it's okay for, a, it's okay for a woman. And I know it's still a double standard, mm-hmm. but it's okay for us to just want to sit and like pretty things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know it sounds silly, but you know what I mean? No, I like Just, that. <laughs> you know, I mean, a woman can sit in the bathtub with a glass of wine, a bubble bath, mm-hmm. 
and just relax. Men aren't supposed to do that, but women can get away with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think it would be good if men were able to do things like that a little bit more readily. And if they were, you know, if they were allowed to show their emotions more. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I said they're always having to be strong. Mm-hmm. But then I was raised that way, too. I've always been raised that I was supposed to be strong. So right, my so- father didn't separate between women and mm-hmm. you know, or his sons and his daughter. So is there a difference between the strength that is required of men versus the strength that's required of women? I think that is really narrowing now. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many women, like my case, I am, like I said, I'm 53 in June. I've never been married. I don't have any kids. I'm single. Mm-hmm. So I have to be strong. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, when my parents died, my brother, I have one brother. We don't know where he is. My other one's in Calgary. Mm-hmm. So I'm the one that, I'm the child that took everything on and helped my mom as executor of her estate. Mm-hmm. You know, so women, I think, have to be strong nowadays. Mm-hmm. Because we don't all have a man to rely on. Mm-hmm. We don't have a mate all the time mm-hmm. to rely on to be strong. Absolutely. And that comes back to the point we talked about before about women having to have that knowledge of how to be independent financially, emotionally, socially. Yeah, not always. I mean, it's not always need to have somebody there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that there are men out there that are like that, mm-hmm. that need to have somebody. But I don't know. I think it ha- I I think the perception is, is that it happens more with women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't know if that's true, but I, I, I feel that maybe that is true without having any, anything to back that up. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, it's, a lot of it is a perception. Mm-hmm. Because there are a lot of, I know I'm not uh, unique. There are a lot of women out there that are like me. Mm-hmm. More and more, according to the book that I'm reading, that there is a very <laughs> large population of, of not just women, but people that um, never marry and remain single. Yeah, just, you know, never been, I always say there's never been anybody that I thought was crazy enough to want to be permanently involved with me, so... <laughs> have you had long-term relationships in your past actually not that long term mm-hmm. my problem is and this is bad i get bored <laughs> <laughs> yeah that so, happens to people i think <laughs> it's like i said i've never truly been in love because i get bored too easy mm-hmm. you know and i think that's okay well, i mean it's i'm yeah i'm having fun i'm creating my own life. Mm-hmm. I figure I'm just going to keep creating, keep doing things until, till I die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Don't so, worry about what society says you're supposed to do. Right. So are there any other hard parts of being a woman? I think we've touched on some already. Yeah. I can't, I don't think there is really like, mm-hmm. Besides the physical stuff we have to go through, like menopause. Right. Yeah. I, <laughs> <you know. laughs> yeah, that's, that's not, not fun. That's definitely something that's unique to women. Yeah. I mean, and I've been fairly lucky because, you know, I haven't had any real 
Like, I don't have the real hot flashes or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I've been lucky that way. Oh, that's good. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything you think the world needs to know about women that it doesn't know already? Actually, I think women are pretty good at telling people what they've got to know about us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think women are only improving in that area lately. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, never count... You know, don't think that you're going to get one over on us. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like there's that joke that when um, you ask, uh, like you ask your wife how she's doing, she says fine. Mm-hmm. Or she'll go, okay, fine. Realizes, don't move. Don't do it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, right. J- just learn to learn our signals here. Mm-hmm. You know, I tell you, fine, do what you want or whatever. You're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And now that isn't necessarily a, a direct communication when women do things like that. I wonder why that is. Yeah, we don't always do <laughs> directly. We kind of, hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And women, I got to remind women too, we don't have, that men and other women can't read our minds. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a good lesson for for all people, um, just to communicate their needs. Yeah. Say what you want to say. Get it out. Mm -hmm. Face the consequences. Not that. That way you don't stew about it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, What issue that affects women are you most passionate about? We may have talked about this already. Yeah, because it is the... um independence that not knowing how to deal with money right the lack of in lack of independence Mm -hmm. that that throws in you Mm -hmm. and you're here to educate i'm doing my best (laughs) (laughs) and so what oh go ahead and the thing is is like i tell people i've been there before i'm still paying off old debt and i still go through the natural geez you know i'd like that and they'll go no you already have a dozen cups you don't need another one Mm -hmm. just you know leave it walk away from it I still go through that Mm -hmm. and I think that's one other thing I want people to know is that I'm not perfect just because I've had the system to help me save all that money doesn't mean that I don't still have debt and I'm not still struggling Mm -hmm. but I can show you how to at least get get a handle on everything Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? That does make sense. And I think that, you know, showing that you're human or showing that you've been through an experience is sometimes a better way to teach people something. Well, I think so because you look at all, like, I know for like from the side of the uh, debt reduction, you look at all these people and they all, they've got everything together. And it's really hard on someone who doesn't, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Especially as we said that people don't like to talk about debt anyway, so it's going to make it harder if they think somebody's, you know, above them looking down on them. Right. Right. It's a very private issue, I feel, for some people. For yeah, a lot, a lot of people. Yeah. So what changes would you like to see for women in the future? I would like to see more women. It's one problem. Another problem I think we're having with a lot of young women that are getting 
pregnant and going on welfare because they don't have a choice. And welfare can be a trap because once you get on it, you can't get off. Mm-hmm. I would love to see more women. I shouldn't say you can't get off. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see more women have a better uh, knowledge of how to handle their money so that they can make smarter decisions. Mm-hmm. And they can say, okay, yes, I want a child, but I'm going to wait until I can support a child. Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you want to have a child on your own, you want to be a single mother, that's great. Unfortunately, some, a lot of times it's not the woman's choice. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy will leave or whatever. Yeah. But I would just like to see more people know their know how to handle their money and be more secure so they don't have to turn to outside sources for help. They can be independent. Mm-hmm. And they can teach their children the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's good advice. Uh, being financially independent is definitely a freeing thing. So do do you want to talk about any women that you admire? Well, of course, I admired my mother. Mm-hmm. I mean, you consider that she was, like when she married my father, she had no concept of finances, whatever. She was spoiled. You know, she got everything she wanted. Then she got into the real world, real, real world and realized that it didn't work like that. She couldn't have everything she wanted. Mm-hmm. So she had to learn. And that is a big thing to go from where she was to where she ended up. Mm-hmm. Being smart with money. Um, let's see, who else do I admire? You know, I had a bunch worked out, and I, of course, I just forgot them. Oh, no, that's Karen, okay. <laughs> uh, Karen McGregor, she is a speaker. I really admire her. Lisa Nichols is another speaker that I admire. There's about three there. Oh, okay. And I know that there's probably a whole bunch, and I will think about it at 2 o'clock in the morning, but don't <laughs> worry, I won't contact you. <laughs> yeah, that's usually how that goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and especially since I had it in my head, who who do I admire? Who do mm-hmm. I admire? Duh. I <laughs> so of those two that you mentioned that are speakers, what do you admire most about them as someone who aspires to be a speaker herself? Well, Karen McGregor, I'm actually taking her Rock the Stage course in November. Mm-hmm. And she sells from stage, and she's just got a great way about her. Mm-hmm. You, I've, you can see her TEDx on um, YouTube. Oh, okay. And she has an ease with her. I've met her. She's just a naturally warm person. Lisa Nichols is just so empowering. Mm-hmm. You know, and what I like about them, and I like about a lot of the female speakers is that they don't put up with any bull. Mm-hmm. You know, they tell it like it is. I'm tired of people candy coating everything. Just mm-hmm. tell it like it is and you deal with it. If you, it's too much for you, then adjust. Well, that's a perfect segue into my story of subversion for today. <laughs> um, I'm going to be talking about Michelle Wolf today. Um, over the weekend was the, the U.S., um, White House Correspondents Dinner, and Michelle Wolf is a comic, and she was the speaker at the event. Um, so I'm just going to give a little bit of background about the White, Ho- White House Correspondents Dinner, um, and this is just kind of piecing together things from like various articles that I've read, and um, a little bit. Um, some is from Wikipedia. Full disclosure here. 
um, because I honestly didn't really, I've heard of the White House Correspondents' Dinner, I've seen clips of it on TV, um, but I never really understood exactly what it was. So just a little background on that. So the White House Correspondents' Dinner, it's a dinner hosted by the White House Correspondents' Association, which is the organization of journalists who cover the White House and the president. And so this organization is pretty old. It was founded in 1914, um, and it works independently from the White House. And really, it was created to ensure that um, journalists were getting fair access to the White House and the president. Um, And the thing that makes Michelle Wolf being the speaker even more interesting is that until 1962, women were not allowed to to attend the dinner. Um, Even though women were actually on the committee, they were still not allowed to attend the dinner. So traditionally, presidents and vice presidents attend the dinner. Um, And John F. Kennedy, he refused to attend the dinner until women were allowed to attend. So in 1962, women were finally invited to this dinner. Um, And so the real purpose of the dinner is to give scholarships to journalism students, to recognize award winners, um, and just kind of a way to celebrate the press and the president. And I mean, there's a lot of criticism about whether or not the dinner kind of sticks to what it's supposed to be doing. Um, And there's been some criticism of it just kind kind of being like, you know, a a pat on the back uh, to people and just kind of celebrating themselves and not really accomplishing the goal. That's just some of the criticism. Um, And they've always had performers, and so some past performers of the dinner include Frank Sinatra, Bob Hope, Nat King Cole, Barbara Streisand. Um, But in about 1983, the featured speakers were basically limited to include only comedians. And since that time, um, the main event of the Correspondents' Dinner has been um, kind of a roast of many of the people there. And so just to give you a sense of some of the past um, featured speakers, it's been Jay Leno, Cedric the Entertainer, Stephen Colbert, Craig Ferguson, Wanda Sykes, Cecily Strong, Jimmy Kimmel, and Larry Wilmore, I would say, is the one in my most recent memory who drew a lot of criticism Uh, most recently. He was the guest two years ago, the guest speaker two years ago. So, you know, like there's this long-standing tradition of the dinner actually turning into a roast and people saying things that are a little bit, um, you know, over the top and really targeting people that are in the room. I mean, during uh, the Bush administration, George W. Bush, I mean, there were people who left the room during the presentation because they were so uncomfortable with what the speaker was saying. I think that was Stephen Colbert. Um, And so there's been a lot of backlash and a lot of support to Michelle Wolf's speech. Um, But the Correspondents Association actually released a statement in regards to her speech. Um, And the statement says, last night's program was meant to offer a unifying message about our common commitment to a vigorous and free press while honoring civility great reporting, and scholarship winners not to divide people. Unfortunately, the entertainer's monologue was not in the spirit of that mission. And so I'm not going to really repeat a lot of the things that she said, but suffice it to say that she did really um, come at people in the room, people in the Trump administration, and just really let them have it. 
Um, but I just wanted to comment. She is, it was a subversive act. She is a woman. She's 32 years old, which is, is pretty young by standards of people that have been on this show. Um, she's a comic. And I just wonder, the question that I have is, is she being held to a different standard because she is a woman, because she is um, a little bit younger in comparison to some of the people that have been on the show? Um, and I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. It was just something that I was thinking about. But I do think that she's done similar things to what other comedians have done in the past as part of this dinner. And she, like I said, she, she let them have it and put some people on blast that have been known to just lie to the American people. Um, so I thought it was just pretty interesting. I'm, I'm pretty interested in watching this controversy unfold. Um, but I thought that that was a very subversive act for her to say the things that she said and really just, um, you know, use free speech, which is really what this dinner was all about. Um, and I think that context also needs to be taken into consideration that, you know, she's a comic. We have expectations of comics saying things that are a little bit raunchy and a little bit over the top. Um, and what do we think of that versus someone who is in a serious context um, someone like the President of the United States using the same vulgar language that a comic is using, but using it in a serious context. Um, so I think that's something that really needs to be taken into consideration with the criticism here. Um, and so I do commend Michelle Wolf for using her free speech. Um, and she does have an HBO special that's out, and she has a Netflix series that is coming out. So that is my story of subversion for this week. Karen, any thoughts? <laughs> no, hey, you. <laughs> no, I was just sitting here listening. <laughs> um, I would be interested to ask, though, as a Canadian citizen, what are mm -hmm. you? What are you guys thinking about us in America at this time? <laughs> well, it's different. Like I said, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm more. I'm conservative. Oh, okay. So, um, and what I'm doing is I'm looking at it and I'm trying to. I'm looking at both of our governments mm -hmm. and trying to weed through all the um, media because mm -hmm. as we have seen in the last election, the media is not being honest with us. Mm -hmm. um, I think you'll agree on that. Absolutely. And I think it's only because of, of technology now that we are actually aware of the lies that they've been spreading for years. Mm -hmm. So I just want to see, I mean, okay, what are you doing that's right and what are you doing that's wrong? Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing that, um, you know, people get on Trump's case a lot and I hope that uh, this may tick off a lot of people, but he was voted in because people wanted something different. Mm -hmm. 2020 will really show with him. Mm -hmm. We have our election next year. Because mm -hmm. we, our prime minister is like the total opposite of uh, President Trump. Right, they are definitely foils. I think. <laughs> oh yeah, they're totally different. <laughs> but I always say too is that I know a lot of people. They will blame their circumstances on what government is in power, mm -hmm. and whether you're in a depression or not. And you have to think about all the great companies that were formed during a depression. Mm -hmm. And I just got totally off topic. Sorry. No, about that's that. fine. No, but that that is a good 
point. That is. Yeah, because a lot of people, they'll blame the government for whatever bad times they're having. And our economies go up and down all the time. Mm-hmm. And I do think you it know. takes a long time to actually see change. Like, you know, things that are implemented, um, like right now, like laws that are being changed and things that are, um, you know, coming into play. Like, we as, like, the average people don't really see the effects of that until way down the line. And then, yeah. you know, by the time that change comes around, there's somebody else who's in power, and it just kind of is, like, a back and forth. So I think we as, like, average people don't always get to see immediate effects, and it's it's a little more insidious because things that affect us happen farther down the line than what people are talking about right now which is kind of scary that's a very good point yeah it does help it doesn't help it doesn't affect us immediately Mm -hmm. um and people take a long time to change Mm -hmm. or they can absolutely you know and it's just at least your advantage is that um every four years you have a chance Mm -hmm. to vote in someone new how long is your election cycle in canada well, put it this way, they can stay in. Our last uh, prime minister was in for 10 years oh, okay. before he was voted out. Interesting. And I'm in the West, and we. And the <laughs> thing that frustrates us the most is that before our polls are even closed, we know who's won, who mm. won. Interesting. Because the yeah, more people, so mm-hmm. it's frustrating. But <laughs> Yeah, that would be frustrating. <laughs> but like I said, we just have to do what we can. Mm-hmm. Just you do what you can, whatever. Like being disabled, I just go, okay, well, stay on and try to make my own life, make my own mm-hmm. future. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're doing. Yes. <laughs> and that's what you're doing too with your podcast. And I'm trying. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think you're probably doing a great job. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Karen, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you so much. Um, tell my listeners one more time where they can find you. www.karenmcgill.com. You can find me, my books on Amazon. You can find me on Facebook. And that, that's what the main, I'm usually spend most time on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I do have an account on Instagram, but I'm not there that often. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, If you're looking to get in touch with Womankind, you can find us on social media at womankindpodcast. Or I'm sorry, at Womankind Podcast. Um, You can go to our website at www.womankindpodcast.com, or you can email us at womankind at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Bye, friends.